0: guys, welcome back to Suspect. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that you guys have all been great. Unfortunately, Hannah is not going to be with us this week, but we have Delaney with us this week. Hi, Delaney. Hey. (laughs) Thanks for being here. We're so happy to have you. Delaney is actually a friend of mine that I had from high school, guys, and we have just kept in touch after high school, and I know Personally, from knowing Delaney for a long time, that she has an interest in true crime and kind of a morbid sense of humor, like I do. So I asked her to join us this week. <laughs> I'm super excited. But also, Delaney, this is your first podcast that you've ever been on, correct? That is correct. Well, we're taking your podcast virginity. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't I be can't nervous. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be nervous at all. It's super relaxed. We're just going to talk about some fucking murder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, Delaney, how have you been during COVID and all of that? I know I feel like I ask everybody that's on the podcast this question, but I feel like this has just been a crazy different year. So, that's the question I should ask everyone. Well, the beginning of
1: COVID was kind of like a summer vacation because I got laid off. So, like, I was out of work for, like, a couple months, but I was in unemployment um, but hey. now I'm back to work and yeah, exactly. Hey, and everything's back to no, kind of going back to normal in Florida. I know the Midwest is still kind of shut down, but um, so, I mean. I don't know. You don't want to hear my views on COVID. (laughs) You'd have to make a conspiracy channel, honestly.
0: (laughs) Hey, I love that. I might be down for that. But, no, Florida is crazy, bro. (laughs) I hope that you are still wearing your mask when you go out because those southerners down there are a little wild.
1: (laughs) I definitely still wear my mask when I go in stores and stuff like that. Not for me so much as a courtesy to others because – it's just such a conflicting topic. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I feel that. I'm glad, thankfully, everyone in Colorado is still wearing their mask and being respectful. At least when you go out, you don't really see too many people trying to interfere with conflicting sides. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm actually going to be in Florida in a week. I don't think I've said that on the podcast. I actually think I announced um, a couple months ago or a couple episodes ago that my job has surprised me with a plane ticket home for Christmas, but that's, um, that's actually in six days guys. So I'm really excited for that. And I might see you, (laughs) Delink. I know we're going to have to get together.
1: Absolutely. There's no way you can be in Jacksonville and me not see you. So
0: I know, right? It's simple. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into the cases this week. I know Delaney and I chatted just a little bit about what cases we're going to do just to make sure we weren't doing the same one or it wasn't one that had already been done on a previous episode. Um, I am going to go first this week with my case, but we both have some really crazy stories for you guys, and I'm so excited to go ahead and jump right on into it. I was telling Delaney this a little bit because we were talking on the phone beforehand, but the case that I'm doing today is the Carrie Farber case, and I don't know if a lot of you have heard of it. I know Delaney personally has not heard the story yet, Um, but this is a case that I've actually really wanted to do for a long time. I've heard a lot of podcasts on it. Well, maybe not a lot, maybe like two, but (laughs) I've obviously heard the story a couple of times, and I have wanted to cover it for a while but I couldn't find an article with the actual timeline of what happens with this case. And so the only articles I could find were articles that were basically talking about the conviction and not all the details of everything that occurred. So actually this article that I found recently, 13 days ago, like I told Delaney is um, an article of the entire fucking crime. So <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and sign my articles for that. I got that from an ABC article, which was written by Gwen Gawin, Gail Dush, and Lauren Efron, and this was written on December 3rd of 2020, so very, very recent. And I was fucking stoked when I found this, bro. Let's hear it, girl. Okay. All right. So. Also, the way I tell this case is going to be a little bit different than how I normally tell them. Normally, I tell you about, um, you know, a little background on that person and kind of who they are. And then I jumped into the crime case. But this week, it's literally laid out in timeline format to the T. So I'm just going to follow the fucking timeline and tell you the fucking story, Delaney. Are you ready? Yes, I'm so ready. I love a good story. So let me hear it. All right. Here we go. This is your bedtime story. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so we're going to go back to 2012, and we're going to start the story with this guy. His name is Dave Krupa. So Dave moved to Omaha in 2012 after taking a job managing an auto repair shop. And at this time, he's separated from his longtime girlfriend, whose name is Amy Flora. And he actually has two children with Amy. And in 2012, this is his first time being single in a while. So we can all imagine how this goes for a dude being single his first time in a long time. (laughs)
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) He's probably already got his bachelor pad. He's out there, you know, looking for his next woman.
0: (laughs) Right. He's ready to take this head on. (laughs) So Dave says himself, he says, I don't really, I didn't really know how to venture back into the dating pool. I felt, I felt pretty rusty. So internet dating was really the way to go for me. So Dave signs up for a couple of dating sites. And the first person that he meets through one of them is a woman named Shanna Elizabeth Goyler. And she goes by the name Liz. And Dave says, I thought Liz was very pretty. I was attracted to her right away. So we set up a date. So Liz, tells Dave that she's a single mother and she has two kids that are around the same age as his and by the fourth date Dave says that their relationship escalates and they start having sex. But Dave also says that he tells Liz that he's pretty upfront at this point telling her, "You know, I still want to continue seeing other women. I like you, but I don't want to really get into anything too serious at this time." He sounds like <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I don't mean to cut you off, but uh <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. Oh, oh, I don't want to, to take things right. too here we seriously. Go. <laughs> um, so
1: I don't want to take it too seriously, but I wanna be with you, but let me sleep around and not cheat on
0: you. But okay, Dave. Come on, let me let me hear it. Yeah, okay, Dave. Yeah. So about six months into meeting Liz, Dave says that and I quote, an extremely attractive woman walks into his auto shop. And this woman that walks in, her name is Carrie Farber, and Carrie is a 37-year-old single mom, and she brings in her Ford Explorer that day for some maintenance. And Carrie was known to be a very, very warm and lively woman. Her friend Amy Long says, You actually noticed Carrie when she walked into a room. She had a laugh. She had a smile. She lit up a room. You couldn't help but notice her. You were drawn to her. Dave says, when we looked at each other, there was a little spark. She's showing me something inside the vehicle and then we're standing there and we're very close. And, you know, there's some tension, which I'm just like, "Eh." yeah. (laughs) There's some tension because they
1: were standing close to a vehicle. All right, Dave, I already know Dave's going to get on my nerves. (laughs)
0: Dave's (laughs) getting on my nerves already. Dave's on my last fucking nerve right now. (laughs) So Dave asked Carrie out and he says that he says that the two of them immediately hit it off on their first date. So he invites her back to his apartment after dinner and as things were heating up, Dave said Carrie told him that she didn't want anything serious. And so of course Dave's like, "I hit the fucking jackpot with that." <laughs> yeah, what do? <whoopee-do. laughs> so, <All> right, woohoo. <laughs> woohoo, Dave. So after the day, just a little fun fact that I found, Carrie leaves, and as she's leaving, she runs into Liz, the other woman that he met online. And she's coming by basically unannounced at this point to pick up some things that she said that she had left there. And I had a little note here that says, I'm sure that was hella awkward. (laughs) First of all, I bet what she left was like a hair tie
1: and a fucking bobby pins she left in the shower when she was washing her hair the one time i know that trick listen it never works you're not fucking slick liz (laughs) you aren't slick liz you aren't getting what you want no bobby pins gonna magically make
0: him want you back girl just because you walk through the door honestly me when i was 18
1: (laughs) right exactly
0: Um, So Dave is so quickly taken with Carrie, just amazed by her, that she actually just offered this big project at work, and he offers to let her stay with him. Carrie works as a computer programmer, and her office is located right around the corner from where Dave lives, whereas Carrie lives nearly an hour away from where she works. So he was like, hey, just come stay with me. It's no big deal. You'll get there a lot faster. We can, you know, Carrie, let's go. How convenient, Dave. How fucking convenient. (laughs) So on the morning of November 13th, 2012, Dave says he gets ready for work. He kisses Carrie goodbye on the way out and he tells her, hey, girl, I'm going to see you later this evening. So around (laughs) midday. (laughs) around midday Dave says that he gets a strange text message from Carrie saying that she wants to move in together and he says which was very left field because we had already talked about that not happening so Dave says he immediately texts her back and says he's not interested and she responds almost immediately saying fine I hate you I'm dating someone else I don't want to see you anymore go away Dave said it was a lot of profanity and he didn't really know what to think he was kind of blown away
1: so either
0: Dave is a
1: really bad liar, because I really don't feel like that's what happened, or Carrie just off her meds.
0: Like
1: <laughs> I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, I feel that, though. I mean, get a little, get a few drinks with me, and, and I'm texting people profanity and telling them <laughs> that I hate them. But, I mean, I don't, I just, I just don't think. I don't know. Keep keep going, because I just have a feeling. I don't like Dave. All right. (laughs) right.
0: Dave's rubbing you the wrong way?
1: Yes, (laughs) already.
0: So Dave says when he returns home that night, Carrie is gone. He says nearly two days passes before he said his cell phone starts blowing up again with text messages from her, which say, I hate you. You've ruined my life. You're a terrible person. And Dave says at this moment, he thinks to himself, I don't need this. I've dodged a bullet. Yeah, so. I don't
1: know. See, I just don't. Because, I mean, why would she do that? If she was this the attractive girl that, you know, she walked into a, a body shop and everyone thought she was just so pretty, why is, why is she going crazy over this Dave who has divorced with two kids? Like. <laughs> No one wants that baggage unless there's something good that comes along with it.
0: Maybe she's off her meds, Delaney.
1: Girl.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> oh <laughs> So um, Carrie's mother, Nancy Rainey is her name, says her daughter was diagnosed with depression in her late 20s, a few years after having her son Max, and that she was eventually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Ah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Aren't you But aren't you bipolar? Were you diagnosed with that or am I wrong?
1: No. Oh, no. Okay,
0: sorry, my I'm bad. Not my bipolar. Bad. Don't do that.
1: No, say no. But I definitely am. I have like super bad anxiety. That's I take like Prozac on the daily.
0: I take more Bro, Prozac I, than
1: my dog does. I have like more anxiety than a a chocolate lab.
0: I am with
1: you on that, like like prickling anxiety
0: bro it's not even funny like but it's funny at the same time
1: (laughs) absolutely you gotta make a joke out of it but honestly it doesn't surprise me if she has bipolar disorder that makes sense how she's being like oh well fuck you one second and then the next minute she's ghost and then the next second she's probably like i love you i want to move in with you it it makes sense for the emotions being all over the place that she's a diet especially a diagnosed Uh, bipolar because they they get put on some heavy medication so if she's not on that it can definitely definitely mess things up especially for a relationship
0: yeah definitely i agree nancy her mom says she had been seeing therapists and she was on medication there was a couple of times when she would stop taking the medication because she said she felt like a zombie like she was numb but by the time Carrie starts dating Dave in 2012, Nancy says her daughter is in a good place, working her dream job in Omaha, and that her son Max was a thriving high school student.
1: So I was about to say, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I know there's a little bit of a
0: of delay, but she has a kid.
1: She has she has a whole son, and where is he in this whole midst of her being at Dave's? House and stuff. Is he like grown or I just because I feel like I was under the impression Dave's kids were younger?
0: Yeah, Dave's kids are younger and she has a son that's in high school. And I'm assuming that at this point she lives with her mom still. So her son's probably, you know, just with her mom and her dad. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Around the same time that Dave starts receiving these kind of crazy text messages, Nancy says that she too starts receiving some strange messages. One message said that Carrie had taken a new job in Kansas, which Nancy said that totally threw her. She would never, come on, like never expect her daughter to do that. You have a whole son at home.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, and, but I mean, also at the same time, her being diagnosed bipolar, that can, you know, you get She's probably known for going into these manic episodes if she's not taken her meds before, so that could have kind of been, like, the, something where her mom looked at it and was like, oh, well, you know, maybe she'll be she'll be back in a few days. Like, it's nothing serious, you know? Right, right. Like,
0: she just needs a moment to herself. Exactly. So, Nancy says that she tries to get Carrie on the phone, but her daughter wouldn't call her back, which is pretty unusual. And she says when Carrie doesn't show up on her brother's wedding day, that's when Nancy reports her missing. When Nancy reports her missing, she tells the police up front that Carrie was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and that she was on medication. And then I have a little note here that says, and sadly, we all know how this tends to go with authorities when you try to report any kind of mental illness. They're not equipped to handle that in the way that people think they are. So they immediately up front were like, You know, well, this kind of thing happens all the time when somebody who's bipolar stops taking their medication, they can really start showing some erratic behavior, which is 100% true. But the problem is, is that they tend not to investigate as thoroughly because they think that this person is just off doing something. So they don't investigate it as a missing persons report or anything else rather than somebody just going off a fucking binge. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, and a lot of times it makes it even worse when it's an adult. A lot of times um, adult missing persons police just brush it off as, oh, well, you know, they're grown. They can go disappear if they want to disappear, and, you know, sadly, a lot of times that ends up in people finding missing persons too late because the police didn't take it into account as much as they would have if it was like a missing
0: infant or a missing child, Exactly right, yep, that's exactly right, and it's sad, it's really sad, but it's, I do, like, I don't, I'm not saying I understand the police's perspective at this point, because I would still obviously want them to investigate 100% thoroughly, but I'm saying I understand in this time frame, maybe what the police are thinking, even though I don't agree with it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, because obviously, like I said, it's with people with, you
1: know, mental illnesses such as bipolar depression or bipolar disorder a lot of times they go into these manic states and it's a normal way of life for them their family's accustomed to it you know and everyone around them knows that that's just normal for them so when you go to authorities a lot of times you know if you've done this before even if it was once before you call the authorities they're like oh well they're just doing it again they just assume they don't assume the worst which you would think they would since that's their job
0: right exactly So Nancy says at this point, the police, they don't really take her pleas seriously at all. Um, And at the time that this article was written just a couple weeks ago, ABC News reaches out to this county's sheriff's office for comment on the initial stages of the investigation. And in a statement, they said... The department takes all missing persons reports seriously, no matter the circumstances surrounding them. The available evidence during the initial investigation was inconclusive, but we did not give up. So meanwhile, Dave says that he continues to receive hundreds of harassing text messages and emails from Carrie. He says that the messages say, I will do what I can to make you suffer. We belong together, Dave. He says that most of the messages focus on Liz, the woman that he had obviously previously dated and who had crossed paths with Carrie that night that she was leaving his apartment. And Liz also tells Dave that she's receiving harassing texts and emails. One day, Dave said Liz called him, saying her garage had been vandalized. Upon pulling into the garage, she found that someone had written whore from Dave on the inside in spray paint. Liz reported the incident to the (laughs) Omaha police in November of 2012. I
1: mean, I'm just, I'm, wait, so I'm just so confused. Cause like, what, where the fuck is Carrie? What is she doing? Is is she alive? Is she dead? Is someone framing her? Is someone, I just, I just want to know (laughs) what she's still missing. Like, is she still harassing Dave? Like, what is going on?
0: So apparently at this point, she's texting her mom, Liz and Dave, and sending them all fucking harassing text messages, but nobody knows where she is, and nobody can get her to call them.
1: So, like, I just, like, I'm so, I, I really don't want to feel like she's dead, but I really feel like Dave is setting her up, like Dave's not, so go ahead, because I just really don't know, because I feel like. (laughs) I feel like it wouldn't have lasted as long as it is. Like, why is she going so crazy for so long? I
0: I completely agree. I just think you have a problem with Dave.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just don't. Dave, fuck Dave. I guess I
0: don't
1: know. Sorry, Dave. If you, I hope you didn't do it. Because if, if you did fuck you.
0: As the weeks go by, Carrie continues to miss more family events, including her her own birthday, her son's 15th birthday, Thanksgiving, and then her own father's funeral. Nancy, her mom, is obviously at this point convinced something is wrong. She said she's still getting texts from Carrie, and she begged her daughter to call her so she could hear her voice, but she never does. She also says that Max, her son, Carrie's son, starts getting messages from Carrie, saying that she was going to Kansas and that she was going to come get him, but she never shows up. Nancy says the texts become mean and angry, (coughs) saying that Carrie tells Nancy that she's not a good mother and that she was controlling. She notices that oftentimes the texts would be full of grammatical and punctuation errors, as well as spelling mistakes, which she said she was out of character for her daughter, who was a stickler for punctuation and spelling, which would make sense if you're a computer programmer. I feel like...
1: Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, even, like, with me and my mom, like, you just know how somebody texts. You know how somebody formats a sentence, how they speak. You can, you know, typically when someone texts, they text like they talk. So it's like if someone else is trying to text on your phone nine times to the ten, someone's going to – the other person on the other end of the phone is going to know it's not you. Right, a
0: hundred percent. I agree. I can immediately tell if I'm texting one of my friends and like say they're driving and they have whoever's in the passenger seat reply for them, I can tell that they had somebody else reply for them. For Dave, the harassment wasn't just over text and email. He's also being stopped. He says, On one specific occasion, I'm sitting in my lazy boy with my feet up, watching T V, just trying to relax, and it's nighttime, and I get a text saying, I see you. You're sitting in your chair with your feet propped up, wearing a blue shirt. And those things were true. See,
1: yeah, I don't. So okay, yeah. So Dave isn't the one who's doing it. So like, why would she just a uh, Why would she just leave her family like that? Like, I just don't. I feel like someone is framing her. Someone did something to her, and they're pretending to be her because they're crazy.
0: Criminal <laughs> mind stuff. Intuition, intuition, darling. so one night in january 2013 after almost two months after this harassment begins dave says that he's returning home from work and that he notices a familiar vehicle in the parking lot nearby his house so as he gets closer to the vehicle he realizes it's carrie's ford explorer like what the fuck he realizes it's carrie's ford explorer And so, obviously, he had worked on this car before, so he knew it pretty well. So, he pulls up to the car, he takes a photo of the license plate, and he sends it to the Omaha police. So, Mm -hmm. the police come, and they immediately search the car. They're only able to find a single fingerprint on a mint container that was in the car. But it didn't match Carrie's or anyone else's in the FBI's national database. So, about... About five months after Carrie disappears, Nancy says that a man calls her and tells her that he had seen Carrie at a homeless shelter and that she wanted Nancy to come pick her up. And Nancy says, I was shaking. I thought, oh, my God, we're going to bring her home. She's going to be okay. It isn't
1: Carrie, is
0: it? Here we go, Delaney. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) So Nancy races over to the shelter, obviously, and the investigators meet her there. But when they arrived, they learned that Carrie had never been there. Nancy says, it was such a letdown, and I was just devastated. I get this raising in my hopes, and then it's dashed again. I knew somebody was playing games here. She's got to be dead. She wouldn't have just left her son and her mom like that, even if she is crazy. Right, you would, nobody would ever leave their son, I feel like. Or, like, you're any no. kid, like, not not just your son, but, like, if you had a fucking kid, like, it doesn't matter, you wouldn't do that, I feel like. Yeah,
1: crazy or not, you would not, you would just wouldn't up and disappear like
0: that. Something bad had to have happened. Carrie's disappearance, Max, her son, decides to message his mom's Facebook account to see what would happen, and she messages back. She says, hey, little man, how are you? So Max, smart-ass 15-year-old, says that he asked her three questions to prove that it was really her. What was his middle name? What was the name of their first dog? And what was his best friend's name? And she never responds to that message.
1: Because it isn't her. Oh, I just
0: got goosebumps because it isn't her. I have her right now, too, and I already know what happens, but I have them. (laughs) Lord, tell me. I need to know. (laughs) So Dave and Liz at this point, who are still seeing each other off and on, are still receiving some pretty hostile, nasty text messages. Um, Liz says, it was actually extremely common for us to be hanging out on a couch watching TV or something, and both of our phones would start blowing up with text messages and emails from Carrie. At one point, Dave says that he gets an email from Carrie threatening to kill Liz and that it included a photo of a woman tied up in the trunk of a car. Dave calls Liz, who confirms at this point that she's fine. And then later, that same day, Dave says that Carrie sends him a link to a fake obituary for Liz. I i
1: I need to know what they got
0: going on. You need to tell me. I need to know. (laughs) I told. I, what did I say? Well, this is I'm so fucking
1: crazy right now.
0: This is fucking crazy. Girl. Where's Carrie? <laughs> Where the fuck are you, Carrie? <sighs> In August 2013, Liz's house catches on fire. It kills all of her family pets, which include two dogs, a cat, and a snake. Fire investigators believe at this time that it was arson, and Liz told police she suspected Carrie was behind it. Fuck. But,
1: you know what, Carrie? I'm certain to not like Carrie. Sorry, Dave. Fuck Carrie.
0: Why you gotta do that? Why you gotta kill the animals, bro? I know, bro. I know. I'm so sad when the I saw when when I heard that obviously on the podcast, and then I read that again in the article. I was like, "Fuck! I forgot that happened." Like. <laughs> Dave says at this point that he becomes so paranoid that he buys he buys a gun, which is a 9 millimeter Smith & Wesson pistol. And terrifying things keep happening to Dave. At one point, the auto shop where Dave works is vandalized. In January 2014, Dave is with his high school friend whose name was Heather Twett in his apartment when Heather said she watches his cell phone blow up with messages and then later hears somebody messing with the fucking front door handle. And when they are when they were in bed that night, Heather says that a brick is thrown through the bedroom window. Um, yeah, I
1: know. Over this woman he met because he fixed her car, bro.
0: <laughs> yes, I know, bro. I know. I'm sure Dave's just like, what the actual fuck at this point? Like, just imagine this. Like, some dude you meet, like, just comes into your job. You end up dating for, like, a couple weeks, having sex a couple times, and then all of a sudden all of this is happening to you. I'd be like, what the actual fuck? Like, what the fuck did I get myself into?
1: <laughs> literally a plot
0: line to a horror movie. A friend who I also mentioned that was the mother of his two children. Amy had also received some pretty threatening text messages from Carrie. So at this mm-hmm. point, it seems like pretty much everyone in Dave's life is being attacked. It literally is. By spring 2015. It had been two and a half years since anyone had seen Carrie, yet the harassment continues to everyone. Ryan Avis and Jim, I don't know if it's Doty or Dottie, but I'm going to say Doty because I feel like I like that better. Jim Doty Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the Sheriff's Office um, in Iowa. Had never worked on the case at this point, but they had heard about it, obviously, and they were so intrigued by this mysterious disappearance that they volunteered to take the case on. And the two detectives, this is pretty interesting, they decide to approach the case from two different angles. So Ryan Avis says, Jim's going to work the case like she's dead, and I'm going to work it like she's alive. I'm going to try and prove in every which way I can that Carrie is still out there. And Jim is going to try and prove in every way that he can, but she's not. I know. Right. I've never heard that, but I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, what a different way, like trying to have two different perspectives from the case, I guess. Like I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: You need to always have both perspectives.
0: Right they start digging into this case basically from the beginning, the original case files. The detectives were aware of Carrie's bipolar diagnosis, but they both did not think that it had anything to do with her disappearance at all. Avis thought that it was alarming that there had't been any activity at all in her checking account the entire time that she had been missing as it's not normal for adults to just up and leave and literally spend no money. No one's seen them. No one's heard their voice. It just doesn't make sense. She had a good income, a good house. I had come to the conclusion that I could not prove that she was actually alive.
1: That's what I'm saying. I really don't think she's alive. <laughs> How could you, right? No contact with anyone. And like they said, like, Even if she didn't make any contact with anyone, she would at least be spending money. Like, shit, she'd need, like, a water or something.
0: (laughs) Fucking, I need a water, bitch.
1: (laughs) Like, she'd get thirsty or hungry. Damn, a McDouble or something.
0: (laughs) Cody says that the glaring detail that stuck out for him was Liz. He said that she had never been involved in Carrie's life until she went missing. The only forms of communication anyone had received from Carrie were electronic. So Dodie and Avis asked their colleague, whose name was Anthony Cava, a digital forensics administrator at the um, sheriff's office, for help. Both Dave and Liz both agree to have the contents of their phone downloaded in 2013 for the initial group of investigators. This content was included in the original case file And Cava or Cava. I don't remember what I said before. I'm going to say Kava, Cava. I'll say Kava. Cava. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starts reconnecting the dots. So Kava says, We knew these messages don't really seem to be coming from Carrie or the imposter who was pretending to be Carrie, whoever it was, sends Dave about 15,000 email messages over a three year span. It might have been an upward of 25,000 or 50,000 text messages in all.
1: That is awful. I couldn't imagine.
0: I think I've gotten oh, maybe 10,000
1: texts in my whole
0: life. The three a day are you kidding that's insane says whoever was pretending to be carrie got more and more sophisticated in what they were trying to do hiding their ip address and trying to hide their real identity done the investigators find a, fo- a photo of carrie's car on liz's phone which included the metadata that showed the photo had been taken about a month before the police recovered the whole vehicle So Dodie says, somehow, Liz knew where Carrie's vehicle was before the law enforcement even did. Another thing we found on the phone download was that there were six calls that were made to Carrie's residence. It was using the star six, seven prefix to disguise the number so that Liz was calling Carrie six times. This didn't make sense to us because she said she'd only met Carrie one time passing through a hallway also found a photo on Liz's phone of a woman who had been tied up, which is the same photo that had been emailed to Dave, determined that it had been taken by Liz's phone. They also discover a video recording that showed someone walking outside of Dave's apartment. It had been uploaded to the YouTube, to the YouTube, what the fuck am I, 70 years old? It had been uploaded to YouTube <laughs> under... <laughs> yeah. Bro, I just felt like a grandma. What the actual fuck? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> The YouTube.
0: <laughs> it had been uploaded to YouTube under Carrie's name, but it was tied to an IP address that was registered to Liz's house.
1: Fuck. So
0: what the fuck, Liz? 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 So
1: Liz is the one who's been playing Carrie the whole time? Oh, my God. She's crazy. What the bitch.
0: fuck? This fucking bitch. Wow. so where's right. carrie Clutchman. what'd you do with carrie we finished see delaney in may of 2015 Doty and avis go to interview nancy carrie's mom during which they said to her that they believed her claims that her daughter was missing and that something had happened to her were true Dodie says to nancy i just want you to know i don't think she left on her own free will and Nancy says that was the first time anybody of an authority position had told me that. I honestly felt like something was going to happen now. Suck for her. I know, bro. But what like,
1: the fuck, your daughter? Her daughter's been missing for this long. She's been telling everyone it's not her, like, and this stupid ass bitch Liz is about to get her ass beat. <laughs>
0: So during their meeting Nancy provides the investigators with another clue. She tells them that after Carrie disappears in 2012 she receives a text message from Carrie saying that she had sold all of her furniture and that she wanted her mom to let the buyer into the house to pick it all up. So Nancy asks her daughter for proof of this and she receives a picture of a check for all the furniture that was made out to Carrie and it was signed by Shanna Goyler that's who the, this one's that that's his wife Liz, no 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 that's was his real name oh yeah
1: okay okay I was gonna say that's some okay that's that makes sense now I was gonna say I knew it was someone important I was like what the fuck so yeah that's her real name so she bought all the furniture so bitch, how are you gonna keep co- trying to cover it up <laughs>
0: Fuck, right? Sloppy as fuck. But Dave has so many ex-girlfriends, I don't blame you for getting them confused, this motherfucking dude. <laughs> fuck Dave. <laughs> so, Dodie says, we knew that Liz's real name was Shanna. It was yet another connection between the two women who were supposedly strangers. Granted, that didn't give us any answers on what actually happened to Carrie, but we knew that Liz knew more than she was telling us. Writers also matched the mysterious fingerprint found in Terry's car to Liz. And as their investigation was underway, Dave realizes that his pistol that he had purchased for protection was missing, and he reports it stolen to the police. 4th, 2015, Dodie and Avis were at the sheriff's office when Liz walks in. So they're obviously pretty stunned to see her, and they learn that she's there to file a harassment complaint against Dave's ex-girlfriend and baby mama, Amy. Liz leaves, Avis drives over to her house to interview her, pretending that it was about her complaint. She tells Avis that she thought now it was Amy who had been sending her threatening text messages the whole time, not Carrie.
1: Convenient. Now she's going to turn her target because she already took care of the
0: one girl that was in the way. Literally what it is. Liz, at this point, if he could download the contents of her phone so they that they could review the messages. And Liz immediately signs over the consent form and gives it to them. So during their conversation, Avis said Liz mentioned that she knew that Dave's gun, which she had correctly identified as a nine millimeter Smith & Wesson was missing. And she thought that Amy had stolen it. Avis says she realized that she probably shouldn't know any details about the gun and then any further questions that I asked about the gun, she was very vague. Uh. <laughs> so, for a twist, Liz calls 911 the following day, claiming that she had been shot in the leg while walking home alone at night in Big Lake Park in Council Bluff. Investigators said that Liz at first claimed that she didn't know who the culprit was, and then she later says that she thinks it's Amy.
1: She was shot by a 9 millimeter Smith & Wesson. <laughs> Let me guess, because she's sloppy. She's dumb. Come on, Liz. She's, Be, she's do better.
0: Make it make sense. Yeah, make it make sense, Liz. <laughs> highly suspicious that the day before she felt the need to tell me that Dave's gun had been stolen, and less than 24 hours later, she shot. It's pretty quickly determined that at this point, Liz most likely had shot herself. That same evening, police clear Amy Flora. This point, Kava gets to work sifting through the contents of Liz's phone um, for the second download. He discovers that Liz had registered in upwards of 20 to 30 fake email addresses, all of which had some variation of Carrie's name. My God, how
1: can we, so it turns out the whole time Liz was the crazy one, but she tried to make Carrie seem like she was the
0: crazy one. Yep, she's a nut. She's a fucking nut. <laughs> yeah. She also discovers that Liz was using an app, which allows her to schedule future messages. So this explains how she could be with Dave and that both of their phones would just fucking blow up. Oh, pass. A fucking psycho. That's why I said a level 10 clinger, bro. <laughs> Able to send text messages pretending to be Carrie, and they would arrive while she was sitting on the couch next to Dave. From Dave's point of view, Liz could not have sent it because she was sitting next to him the whole time. Kava estimates that Liz had must. Kava estimates that Liz Liz must have spent about forty to fifty hours a week impersonating to be Carrie, impersonating Carrie. I'm sorry. How much time did she?
1: From impersonating herself
0: Bro that's a full time Fucking job 40 to 50 hours a week
1: (laughs) Pretending to be Somebody else And you're not getting paid I barely want to shower When I get home
0: from work Like what so Dodie and Avis bring Liz in for an interview about two weeks after she was shot, and at the time, they said Liz kept pushing them to investigate Amy, and she had no idea she herself was a main suspect in Carrie's disappearance. So when and Amy came up with this plan, they were going to tell Liz that they were belie- that they believed her story and that Amy had shot her and that they wanted Liz's help to get Amy to basically incriminate herself. They asked Liz to reach out to Amy and see if she would tell her anything about what happened to Carrie. Of course, obviously, though, the detectives know that Amy had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with Carrie's disappearance or the messages that had been sent for years. Dun, 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 dun. Their plan works. They said that Liz was almost immediately interested in these emails that she says are from Amy. Dodie says, we start receiving messages that they were from, that said, that she said that they were from Amy, where Amy confesses to shooting Liz. He, uh, he asked gets to press Liz to ask Amy, who they knew to be Liz, for details about Carrie's death. A few days later, Liz did exactly that. They said she forwarded an email to them that she had said supposedly came from Amy, saying that she had stabbed Carrie three to four times and then stuffed her body into a garbage bag. Mhm, I know bro This bitch is just playing into the plan Like she's not smart <laughs> and The investigation goes on And the investigators say that Liz grows Increasingly upset that they hadn't Arrested Amy yet Dodie so explains to her that they needed more information Information only the killer Would know Within hours they said More confession emails from Amy, appeared. The emails included that Carrie had been stabbed to death in her own car. Dodie says, these emails gave us Carrie's vehicle as a crime scene. What we wanted to do was go back and look at that vehicle to determine if the crime had happened there.
1: So this is... ...in the interrogation room on her Gmail just forwarding these these messages that she's wrote
0: herself <laughs> to the officers. Like, they're not no. going to... It's 2015, bitch literally come on get with the fucking program Liz third time that the police had actually searched Carrie's car but this time Doty says they pulled the fabric off the passenger seat and once uncovered they found a red stain that was determined to be Carrie's blood and because the murder most likely took place in Omaha the Omaha police department had to be involved in cold case homicide detective Dave Schneider joins the investigation so Detective Schneider brings in Liz for questioning and he confronts her with all the evidence that the other detective that the other detectives had gathered so far, the photos on her cell phone, the IP addresses being traced back to her house, and the confession emails from Amy. Liz denies knowing anything and claims she didn't have internet service, but while she was being interrogated, Dodie and Avis had gotten a search warrant for her apartment. Inside her apartment, they find some of Carrie's possessions, including a digital camera and a camcorder, which they believe that Liz had stolen from Carrie's house. And on the camcorder, they find a video of Carrie actually talking about how somebody had vandalized her car, and it was time stamped around 2 days before she disappeared. She've so been planning it the whole time, premeditated. Bro, Liz is a fucking nut. She needs help second 2016 liz is arrested and charged charged with first degree murder douglas county attorney brenda Beadle, who prosecuted the case said this was by far the most difficult case i've ever tried most homicide this one was bizarre to the point where it would take some convincing to make somebody believe that it actually happened there's no way that somebody would let their dog die in a fire that they started. There's no way that somebody would shoot themselves in the femur.
1: To think, yeah, like she literally burned down her whole house.
0: Yes, nice bro. Psycho nice bitch. All the animals.
1: Yes. Oh my God, she's crazy. She. I hope she got locked up forever.
0: Defense attorney James Martin Davis requests to waive a jury trial in favor of a bench trial, which means that the judge would decide the case and there would be no jury. And Martin says, "Not only was there no body, there was no crime scene, there was no murder weapon, there was no proof that she even died." We waived the jury trial to move it up so I could try this case hopefully before they find a the body. Right, you fucking idiot. Like, I I mean, I know this is your job, but at the same time, it's like you are even saying in that sentence, like, yeah, I don't really know. I just hope they don't find the body before we go to trial.
1: Be a hero. Like, be respectful. Literally.
0: So, a few months before the trial is set to begin in 2017, Dave remembers that he has a tablet in storage and he turns that over to investigators. On the tablet, Kava discovers a micro SD memory card that had also been in Liz's phone around the time of the murder, and the SD card had thousands of deleted images, all of which she was able to recover. And Kava says, I came to a photo that no one had seen before. I wasn't sure what I was looking at at first, but it turned out to be a human foot with a tattoo. And the tattoo that was on this foot was the Chinese symbol for the word mother, and it was the same tattoo that Carrie had on her foot. It was shocking, Kava said. It made me realize that Liz killed Carrie, and she's taking photos of her body.
1: So, like, she was obsessed with Carrie and Dave, apparently.
0: Yeah, she didn't. She's literally the definition is, if I can't have you, no one else can. While Beadle, the prosecutor, paints Liz as a diabolical and cruel woman who killed Carrie and then spent years violently harassing others. Liz's defense attorney argued that all of the evidence from the state was circumstantial, that at one point Liz had been considered a victim in all of this and Carrie's body had not been found. Judge Timothy Burns found Liz guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced her to life in prison, during his ruling, Byrne said, Carrie Farber did not voluntarily disappear and drop off the face of the earth. Very sadly, she was murdered. ABC News, the Omaha Police Department said, The unusual nature of this case, and great lengths, that Shanna Goyler went to hide this homicide, undoubtedly perplexed everyone involved. Pull them out? My. Yep. So I gave you one, right?
1: That's just, like, but, like, yeah, but, like, I can't believe she kept it up for that long, bro. Like, she probably killed her way back when in, like, 2012, and she kept messaging people and harassing people. Like, what
0: was she getting out of that? Yep, literally fucking psychotic, bro, for years, years. Liz remains with the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women, and she maintains her innocence and claims that Carrie's real killer is still out there. And author Leslie Rule, I don't know if you know this, Delaney, who Ann Rule is, um, who's a very, very successful, who was a very, very successful crime author. She's written many a books. She wrote... Um, I can't remember the name of it because I've been drinking now, but a book regarding Ted Bundy. She was very involved in that investigation. So she's really big into the true crime world, author-wise. Leslie Rule, who is actually her daughter, says that she receives letters from Liz while she's in prison, one of which said, I will not stop fighting until I am set free and they find the right person. And Leslie says she obviously does not take responsibility for what happened. I mean, yeah, bro, she's just fucking completely gone, I feel like. Like, so, like, convinced that that was the right thing for her to do, that she won't take responsibility for it, you know? Gators mm-hmm. on the case, Jodi, um, Avis, and Kava established a scholarship fund in Carrie's name at the local community college that she had attended um, in hopes of associated something associating something positive with her memory. When asked how she wanted her daughter to be remembered, Nancy said, as the fun, loving, talented, smart woman that she was, Carrie was only 37 when she died. If I could talk to her right now, I'd say, I love you. I'm so glad that you're in my life. You have a beautiful son who has a wonderful life coming, and I miss you terribly. So bad for her mom. So sad, bro. Um, That is the case of Carrie Farber, you asked me for a twist, so I gave you one.
1: Yeah, that was a lot to unpack. I'm honestly, I'm trying to take that in right now because, like, there was so many moving pieces, but once it came all together, because I really thought it was Dave in the beginning, and then I thought Carrie was still alive, and then I was like, well, she's dead. And it ended up literally being Liz.
0: Fucking Liz, bro, the psychopath. For her. And her mom, son, like her whole family, like what the fuck? She just started dating some guy and then got take out for her. Like they took she took her the fuck out. Even. No, literally. I said level ten clinger, but this might be like what a level one hundred clinger. Yeah,
1: that's a level thousand clinger.
0: That's <laughs> intense. Oh, that was
1: definitely intense. That was a good one. I really liked that one. I have never heard that one and I'm very surprised. I've never heard anyone do that one before.
0: Yeah, it's so fucking crazy. But I think the main reason, like I said, that people have not done it is because there's been no articles. Like, I literally just found that article like a couple days ago when we were texting. And I was like, holy fucking shit, yes, I can finally do it. But I've been waiting since like fucking August to do that case. And I have not been able to find shit on it except for the conviction on fucking Liz. Like, that was it. There was no timeline
1: a long dragged out one like mine like the one that I'm about to tell you like it's a very like it's it was it was open and closed very quick but like not in the way you think it would be but like that one was just like she played it out for like six years seven years
0: yeah bro a long ass time like a full-time job for her basically Well, I'm excited to hear your case. I love cases. Like, I like the long cases that have the detail like mine, but I love the open and shut cases, too, because it means investigators did their fucking job. (laughs)
1: Right, exactly. So, my case is basically, like, it's known as the, quote, unquote, the Lululemon murder, um, which, like, obviously, I got a lot of, like, my information from one of my favorite podcasts. It's, It's called Morbid. But um, I got a lot of it from online, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, all that stuff. So um, so I'm just going to start from the top. I'm going to tell it like a story,
0: kind of like you told yours. Um, and all right, you ready? I'm so fucking ready. Let's cheer it. I'm not super familiar with this case. I told you that already, but I'll tell our listeners. Mm-hmm. I think I might have heard heard maybe a podcast on it like years ago but I know no details I don't know any names so let's fucking hear it <laughs> all right so
1: it's the morning of March 12th 2011 and the manager at the Lululemon store in Bethesda Maryland which this is like a suburb of Washington DC um, she arrived at the store to open around 8 8 a.m um, so she was the opening manager that day So, immediately she notices that the doors are unlocked, and obviously that's a red flag for anyone who ever has worked in retail before. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you have any experience working in retail, you know that locking up during closing is extremely important and could cost your job if not done properly. So, Rachel was the manager's name. She remembers Jaina Murray, which is the name of the manager who was closing the night before, was on the schedule. And it's not like Jana to forget something so important, such as locking after closing up. So when Rachel walks in, immediately she sees the store is a wreck, and clothes are on the floor. A television was literally shattered on the floor, and it looked like someone has like ransacked the place, like they've been robbed. Mm. So, and so she walks around to the back, like around the counter. And that's where she sees blood on the floor and bloody footprints beneath her. So she's standing, like, on top of bloody footprints, and she sees blood on the floor. And then she heard something like a small groan, like an animal Mm -hmm. or something, coming from the back. And so she instantly ran out. So it's important to know, like, mind you, that, like, Lululemon was on a very high-traffic shopping block. Like, where me and Katie are from, there's a place called... um, St. John's Town Center so it's like that's basically where they were like in St. John's Town Center right next to an Apple store but like their own version of it up in Maryland
0: gotcha I'm envisioning it right now I'm in Jacksonville at the fucking right. Town Center gotcha <laughs> exactly so so you know that this Lululemon was on a very
1: high traffic shopping block and was located right next to an Apple store they shared a wall And apparently, this was the day the new iPad 2 was being released, so it was extremely busy, and people were lined out the store.
0: Mm.
1: The store manager frantically ran out of the store into the crowd of people, looking like she saw a ghost, and, you know, all these people are just chilling, waiting for their iPad, and they're like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? Like, she's running out the store, looking like she's just seen a dead body. And, of course, you know, the bystanders were lined up, and they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, a yep. nearby man asked, literally, they were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's <laughs> too early for this. I've been waiting since 4 o'clock in the morning for my iPad to, like, does this bitch got going on? <laughs> so, a nearby so a nearby man asked if she was all right and if she needed help, and she was like, yes, the fuck I do. Like, obviously. <laughs> so, the Good Samaritan told Rachel the to way outside, and he would go in the store to check it out. Now, of course, you saw all the chaos that Rachel saw when she first walked in. And as she walked further into the back, there was a bunch of bloody footprints concentrated in the back hall of the store. Mm. So there was tons of blood, random stuff broken, glass shattered, blood spattered all over the walls, and spattered as high as six feet up the walls.
0: Jesus fucking Christ, bro. This one's like a fucking Saw movie.
1: The Samaritan saw what he thought <laughs> was a man lying on the floor in a pool of blood. And he also saw a woman in the bathroom lying on her back on the floor. She was sliced on her hands, arms, and chest, and had a huge long cut on her forehead. She was also mm. zip tied on her arms and legs. And there was a huge split made in the crotch of her yoga pants exposing her genitals.
0: Oh my Jesus Christ, bro. I'm still, so, I'm just laughing at how you keep saying the good Samaritan. That shit is so funny. Yes. <laughs> listen, he's a good Samaritan. Cause listen, <laughs>
1: someone comes up to me, like, and asked me to go into a store and I seen blood. I would have ran out and got the next person. Like it would have been a domino effect because I don't want to walk back and see what's back there.
0: <laughs> right fuck that as soon
1: as i see blood peace so, out <laughs> exactly so and he tells rachel the manager to call the cops now obviously because i mean i don't know why nobody called the cops until just now like even if <laughs> it was just a robbing like why has rachel just waited till now to call the cops but anyway you know you can't you can't say how you're going to react in a situation like that. Everyone reacts differently in, like, high-stress situations such as that, right. you know. <laughs> On the scene, they were absolutely shocked at what they had walked into. When an officer made her way to the back, she found not a man, but Jana Murray, the closing manager, lying in a pool of blood. She was lying face down and covered head to toe in blood Mm. jaina was severely beaten her head was bashed in and there was a toolbox that looked like it had fallen across her back like on her shoulders so like there was a toolbox laying across her shoulders and just like the woman in the bathroom her yoga pants had been slit
0: in the crotch fuck bro so i don't know Is was there like sexual assault or is this just a fucking weirdo like (laughs) just
1: Bro, it's about to get crazy, okay? So, listen. So, she had no pulse when and was pronounced dead on the scene at only 30 years old. And it mm. was known by friends and family as an adventurer. She loved doing crazy things like skydiving and bungee jumping and was said to have one of the best miles ever seen. So, she definitely was a, a big loss to her community and to her family. Hmm. Lying alive and brutally injured, you have
0: because I'm yeah, sort sure of wondering
1: I, I, who, yeah. who the woman in the bathroom was, right?
0: Yeah, I know. I was going to ask, because was Jana supposed to be the only one closing that night? Like, there was no other people working in the store with her? Like, was it a customer? Like, tell me. So when
1: you close retail, like, you close down the store, and then, like, you have about 30 minutes after you close to, like, clean up, put everything back where it belongs, close down the cash registers, do all that. So, like, there was only two people on to close that night which was jana and then the other girl who was lying alive in the bathroom who was 28 year old Brittany norwood
0: so you said she's alive wait wait wait. you said she's alive yeah so the so
1: jana isn't alive the girl who was in the bathroom zip tied that they came across first when they walked in she's alive yes oh shit she was just injured yes So that was 28-year-old Brittany Norwood. So immediately upon arriving, police sent Brittany to the hospital because she was in bad shape. You know, a cop was sent with her to get the story because obviously you wanted to get it fresh out the gate so she doesn't forget any details or anything that could help solve the case. Story. So this is Brittany's story. So mind you, you know, like I said, it was only her and Jaina that closed that night. So they wanted to go straight with Brittany, even though she was in bad shape They needed to get the story immediately because they needed to find out what happened to Jaina and why she was so, you know, brutally murdered and brutally injured. So Brittany's story goes that after her and Jaina closed the shop, the Lululemon, and went their separate ways, Brittany realized she had left her wallet, you know, which isn't a big deal, but it had her bus pass in it, and that was the way she was getting home that night. So Brittany called Jaina asking if she could let her back into the store and grab it. And, of course, Jaina was like, sure. So she drove her car up to the front of the store and opened the door for Brittany, and they both began searching for Brittany's wallet. So about ten minutes go by and still no wallet. So Jaina was just like, okay, well, here, let me go ahead and give you my bus pass so we can both just go home. Um, So, you know, at this point, now they're leaving the store. And as they're leaving, Brittany says that two men show up out of nowhere head-to-toe in black, bust through the door wearing black ski masks. Brittany said that one was really tall and one was really short, and they seemed to be white men. She said one of the men punched Jaina in the head, and the other dragged Brittany back by her hair and just started cutting her all over. Oh, my God. So while this is all happening, these men are screaming at them, things, calling them whores calling Brittany the n-word repeatedly because Brittany is you know a, a black female so like she they're calling her derogatory terms and the man who dragged Brittany in the back proceeded to rape her on the bathroom floor while using horrid racial slurs over and over
0: oh my fucking god oh my god this poor woman
1: so this man apparently raped Brittany and calling her all these names and then took a wooden hanger and continued to rape her with the hanger.
0: Oh, oh, my fucking God. Delaney, stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you. I told you. This is
1: one of, this is not, I mean, it sounds bad to say this is one of my favorites. But, like, this one was just, like, so awful. So, listen. So, he then made her open the cash register. So, he made Brittany open the cash register in safe in order to take the money. Brittany said during this she heard Jana screaming bloody murder and could hear the man just repeatedly beating her and then it just went quiet.
0: Oh my god, bro. I I have my eyes closed right now and I'm like picturing this as like a fucking horror movie and I am losing my shit. This is not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, because that's that's basically what this is, is just a horror movie. I mean it's insane. It's so gruesome. It's just awful. I mean, that she was unrecognizable. The police literally thought she was a man when they first, or the the man who went in and checked for uh, the store manager thought that Jana was literally a man. That's how badly beaten she was in the face.
0: Oh my fucking God. Okay, okay, keep going. Sorry, I'm like shocked okay. right now. My, no, my hand is you're on my fine. forehead.
1: <laughs> So, listen, so, like I said, and then it went quiet. So, Brittany said she saw him repeatedly be- beating Jaina in the hallway as well. After that, they threw Brittany in the bathroom, zip-tied her, and left her where she blacked out on the floor.
0: Mm.
1: Now, mind you, through all this, Brittany was completely inconsolable when telling the story. She just kept saying, there was so much blood, I've never seen that much blood she tried to help Jana, but they wouldn't let her she mm. then apparently said to jane she then apparently said jayna was quote-unquote so innocent and it was her fault she forgot her wallet so Brittany was blaming herself she was like it's my fault i forgot my wallet if i'd never forgot my wallet we wouldn't have been back there and you know this would have never happened basically oh poor girl she also had no idea that Jana was dead and kept asking the police if her friend was okay.
0: <sighs>
1: Jana's body was being autopsied at the local coroner's office. The medical examiner reported that Jana was assaulted with more than a hundred different wounds inflicted by several different weapons. Different rooms
0: inflicted by several different weapons. Right what the fuck wait stop really quick was jana do you know if she was a white woman or a black woman she was a white woman
1: i'm actually while i'm having you on the phone or what have you i'm gonna send you a picture because i saved photos of them so you can kind of give yourself but i i want to wait i'm gonna wait to send you the picture but yes jana is a
0: white woman yeah, cool. Just send him. So me Brittany's, Brittany's,
1: yeah, Brittany's like a small, like petite, five three, black woman, and Jana was like a nice, average size, like five six, five seven, uh, Caucasian white woman. Um, so I mean,
0: yeah. Fuck out of this woman. What the actual fuck?
1: Right. So listen. So, mind you not only did she have the 100 different wounds inflicted by several different weapons, she had 232 blunt force injuries to her body. Her head alone, which was cracked in eight places, and they said her face was just unrecognizable. They also said that there were 37 injuries to the back of her head and one three-and-a-half-inch-deep knife wound in the back of her neck That had penetrated directly into the cerebellum of her brain, which was labeled as the fatal blow. Okay. 331 injuries altogether,
0: and she felt 330 of them. I'm just so, was this just like a robbery and like you just? Got like a little power high while you were robbing the store and beat the fuck out of this woman, or like, was it like personal? Like I don't, I don't really know because it doesn't make sense in my mind to beat the fuck out of somebody like that just to fucking rob a store. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take all that.
1: Exactly, and 131 in wounds. And mind you, I mean, there there's these two men dressed in black, and you're coming into a Lululemon store where there's only two women in here. One's a small petite woman. You know one's an average sized woman if they wanted to overpower them and rob them, they could so you know at this point in time it's it's looking really personal because, like I said, three hundred and thirty of those wounds she felt it wasn't until the final blow of the stabbing into her brain that killed her.
0: Yes, bro, and I'm sorry, but like personally, as a woman. I only know what Lululemon is because I have friends that like that shit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, as a man, mm-hmm. I would have no idea what the fuck that is. That would be like somebody trying to talk to me about, like, fucking Ulta, you know? Exactly. No, Men men
1: don't really know about that kind of stuff. But So, now, keep in mind, like I said, 331 injuries altogether. 105 of those were defensive wounds on the hands. Which the Mm. medical, she had never seen so many defensive wounds on a victim in all her years of work. Getting back heavy. Yeah, she was alive almost all of the struggle and she fought hard.
0: Oh my God, I wish she swums in my arm right now.
1: So, keep in mind, like I said, 331 injuries. So the weapons that they found, that they, or excuse me, the weapons they found that they found to have been used on Jaina included a hammer, two different kinds of box cutters, a wrench, a metal pole used to hold up mannequins, a butt or knife, a metal loading off high shelf, a razor, and a rope was found around her neck.
0: Jesus, oh, this is this is too much for a robbery. I'm sorry, keep going.
1: No, you're fine. right next door. They pulled the the cops pulled the surveillance from there to see two men walking quickly away from the store around the time of the crime. So obviously the cops were like, oh, well, they're like this is it, these are our guys. So they were unable to confirm whether they were coming from the Lululemon store, but based on Brittany's story, they became the prime suspect. So a detective stakes down in the store to see if these dudes are dumb enough to come back to the store and they do. So he approaches oh my the men God. with <laughs> Exactly, yeah, exactly. So he approaches the men with the skills of the surveillance footage and they say, Yeah, that's us but we're busboys at a nearby restaurant and we were just walking home. And their alibis check out. So now they're back to square one started looking into the Apple store employees to see what they know because they were definitely still closing during the time of the murder. So obviously they're like, they're not looking at them as suspects, but they're like, okay, well, what the fuck? How did you guys not hear this gruesome murder that's going on next door? So because, you know, because like I said, the Apple iPad 2 had just came out. So they were there past closing, counting up sales and all that stuff the whole struggle they said something going on next door and video surveillance actually shows these people listening up against the joining walls of the stores and then they just ignored it and started going back about their business and about work
0: bro what the actual fuck they didn't think to like call the police or go over there or like I don't fucking know do something like at least walk outside and see what the fuck is going on like you you fucking ignorant assholes
1: Oh no you're going to love this employee said she heard grunting some something heavy being hit a high pitched screaming and a woman's hysterical voice So she got the manager and he said he heard an agonized breathing and one forced exhale so when asked why they didn't call nine one one, they said he figured it was just drama between the woman at the store.
0: Oh my what the actual fuck. I'm pissed off.
1: <laughs> you know, they so they went to go talk to Brittany again. And this is when she had gone home. Only one day after the attack because all her wounds were very superficial apparently. Mm. And forensics found something new all right so they found a pair of size 14 men's sneakers hidden on a shelf in the store that matched the blood footprints exactly so police are stumped at this she only had gash on her head and between her thumb and pointer finger so now britney details that she hadn't mentioned before like the men pushed her on top of Jana's body and told her that the only reason she wasn't dead was because she was more fun to fuck
0: Bro, this
1: I don't trust it.
0: Let's
1: hear it. He was inconsolable telling the story and was consistent with the story told before. When they when they brought up that those were store the store shoes and that they had a few men's items for alterations, but immediately the police were like, Wait a second. So here are the things that started to bother the detective at this point. The criminals didn't bring weapons with them to the store. Everything, including the zip ties, were located in the store. Mm. Then the Janas were overkill, and Brittany's were extremely superficial. The footprints never went outside the store. And what were the criminals wearing if they placed the shoes back on the shelf? start to be poked in the story. And this is Deborah the detective. that Brittany is lying so he starts thinking she might even be the killer
0: that's why I asked you why, um, Jana was white or black because you said that these two men were supposed to be white men so I was thinking at the beginning of the story that possibly it was like a race thing and Jaina was possibly mm-hmm. black you know what I'm saying but that's why I asked mm-hmm. you that because that's important to keep in mind
1: so when Jayna let Brittany back in the store, like I said, she drove her car up to the front. But when police arrived that morning, her car was not there. Mm. At this point the detectives are like, What the fuck, Brittany? Like you're not like she's sus as fuck. They're like they do they do not trust Brittany, they do not like what she the vibe she's giving off. So well, later in off our three blocks away in a lot and inside the car was covered in blood smears. And all of them mm. tested as Brittany and Jana's blood. hat in the backseat of the car and tested the sweat on the part that touches the forehead. And it turned out to be Brittany's hat. Mm. So they end the talk, obviously, because they're like, bitch, what the fuck? They try to start catching her in small lives. So they ask Brittany if she's ever seen Jana's car. And she says, yeah, like maybe once or whatever, you know in passing, and then they ask if she's ever been in Jane's car, like, given a ride or anything, and she immediately says no. Bitch, you just... Exactly. So, obviously, they're like, okay, well, we've caught her in a lie at this point, because we just found, like, your blood and your hat in her car. So, you know, lying, and they're trying to get her back into talk, because apparently she went home after that conversation. Well... Brittany apparently asked to come in because she has something to tell the detective. Hmm. So she tells the police that it just in it like occurred to her last night when she was falling asleep that she remembered she in fact had been in Jana's car. She drove it the night of the murder. I put dot 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 because like, okay, bitch, like why? <laughs>
0: because what the actual fuck, Brittany? <laughs>
1: Right, so she drove at the night of the murder. So she says that the masked men made her move Jana's car to where it was found and that they were watching her. And if she tried to get help, they would kill her. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like, one, if there's two of them, that they're not going to send one with you if they really didn't want you to escape that bad. And two, if I'm in a car and I just, like, have been attacked the way you're saying I've been attacked, I'm going to take off in the car and drive straight to the police station.
0: A hundred percent, because at so, this point, you said that all of the weapons were from the store. So it's very plain, plainly, clearly obvious to me that they don't have a gun. So if I'm in the car with nobody with me and I know they don't have a gun, fuck no. like. <laughs> I mean, at this point,
1: the detective's like, so, okay, well, why didn't you just drive straight to the police station? And she's scared. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. So, and she claims that she walked from where she parked Jana's car back to the store. And it claims that nobody stopped her. Nobody asked her about the huge cut on her forehead, like, nothing
0: you're a fucking liar
1: whole story again it started to make sense that this was a scripted story they started asking if she wanted to get it you know if there's anything she wanted to get off her chest but britney just was not budging so they brought britney her brother to try to get the story from her all right in the interrogation room she's like you know I don't want to talk about this here. Like, are they recording us? Like, are you sure they're not recording us? And you know, any smart person knows that like they're always recording you in the interrogation room. But her brother was like, "Oh no, they're not recording us. I promise." Like, blah blah blah. Sure, if she did this right, and she kept Mm -hmm. saying, "No, I don't want to talk about it here." So her brother keeps her mind letting her go home because she keeps saying that she wants to talk about it at home. And like, he's like, sis, we ain't going home. Like, <laughs> we gotta <laughs> talk about it right here, right now. So Ricky says, like, I, just, I just don't want anyone to be disappointed with me. And I mean, it's somebody. Like, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> a little disappointed in you. Like, what did you do? So her There's brother. There's no way to be happy with you, bitch. Exactly. So her brother, of course, comes back with a bullshit line. Oh, no one's disappointed in you. <laughs> oh my right? God. No one is okay. disappointed in you. You know, trying to get her to tell what happens. He says, and quote, we are your family. We are always going to be there for you. Everything he just, so listen, he, <laughs> I got to read this better because it's like, he says, we're your family. We're always going to be there for you. But he just told me, I didn't look convinced, but it was very fucking convincing. You're going to have oh. to just tell me so I can try to get you out of here because this is going to get a hell of a lot worse. Right? So he, I may have not have looked like I believe the detective, but he was very fucking convincing. Okay. And her brother's like, stop apologizing. Why did you do it? And I know it's not funny, but like it's like I, it's like, <laughs> bitch. At this point, you're you're past sorry.
0: Like if you were sorry, why'd you do it? They found your DNA right. in her car, bro. Like there's no way. Like you said, you weren't in it. Like there's no way to go around that.
1: Literally. So like I said, she keeps saying I'm sorry. She's sorry, and you know, and he's like, well, why did you do it? And she said she doesn't know what happened. So he asked, was it shoplifting? Were you trying to steal? So, obviously, this bitch is a known thief. Everyone knows that Bernadie Sheelan, her whole family, you know, because he's like, was, were you shoplifting? Were you trying to steal? So, she says no. And he says, then so why did you fight this girl? Mind you, she did not fight this girl. She brutally murdered this girl to unrecognition. Like, no, she was unrecognizable
0: yeah literally like it that was not a fight bitch like what the actual fuck like you curb completely
1: i was gonna say and this is a good time for me to send you the pictures now that you know that she's the bitch that did it because it's like oh, obviously mugshot and shit so i just sent that yeah. but um yeah tell me did you get
0: it yeah i just got it Oh my. The last picture
1: shows you the the hallway, like, the bloody hallway.
0: Oh, my God. You slaughtered your own fucking coworker, bro. Like, what the actual fuck? Right. Okay, so listen.
1: And Brittany was like, I really did forget my wallet. And her brother was like, okay, well, I believe you. But did she accuse you of shoplifting? Is that what this is about? She said, and Brittany was like, well, I didn't take anything. At this point, she didn't know what to do. So her brother continues to try to get the story out of her. But Brittany says she was going to tell something. So basically, like, like, she was going to tell her manager or something, referring to Jaina. And her brother was like, the manager knew what? That you were shoplifting again, talking about Jaina. And Brittany said, but I wasn't. So he asked, like, have you stolen from the store before? And Brittany says, honestly, I didn't. I've been doing good as far as that. So obviously she was a known shoplifter. She'd been doing that for a very long time. Right. That every time she speaks, she looks down and to the left, which indicates she's hiding something. <laughs> so at this point, like, I mean, Brittany was arrested. I don't know if you were going to assume this or not, because after this whole conversation and after him being like, every time you look to the left, you're hiding something. Brittany was arrested because the entire conversation with the detective and the police were watching this.
0: No way. It was recorded. You're fucking shitting me at a police station. No way.
1: Right. I know. Wow. Now, this is a fucked up. Jana's family found out about the confession and arrest on their way to her funeral. They had never mm. heard of Brittany before, actually felt so bad that they wanted to send Brittany flowers in the hospital because of what she went through. But Brittany stated she wasn't accepting flowers. Oh, my God. So they were because they were like, wow, like, we really were going to give you flowers. Like, we felt so bad for you because we thought you were trying to help our daughter, but in reality, you brutally murdered her.
0: Yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, we thought you were under PTSD PTS were literally the one that created it with the actual fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so waiting
1: for her trial, the state's attorney push, pushed for first-degree murder and life without parole. One of the biggest reasons Jana's family wanted a full trial and not a plea deal is so that they could know exactly why and what happened to their daughter. Turns out, Brittany had been fired from a Lululemon in Georgetown, Maryland for suspected shoplifting. So mm, the Lulu of course she store would. she was working yep, exactly. So the Lulu unknown store she was working at the time of the murder, um, or at the time of the murder, was planning on firing her at that point in time. So and only when she was working, right? So money, things out of their purses and some even literally caught her going through their purses.
0: Hey bro, what the fuck are you doing, bro? You're acting like you're sixteen.
1: So here we go, building, like, a whole case against her, just waiting for her to get caught in, caught in the act of shoplifting. Apparently, managers have went to upper management to report that all the, you know, that all of Brittany's co-workers, um, things were going missing, and only when she was working. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't just stealing store merchandise. She was also stealing shit out of her co-workers' purses and lockers.
0: Oh, my fucking God, a whole ass sweep.
1: Oh, yeah. Yoga pants and told her that she was going to have to tell the other manager, Rachel. Even worse, so the night of the murder, Jane was supposed to work that night. Oh. She switched shifts with someone and just so happened to be the one who caught Brittany. Mm. Checked each other's bags before leaving her store policy, and that's when Jana found the yoga pants. She asked Brittany if she paid for them because the tags were on there with no receipts. And Brittany says she bought them from another manager. So Jana called this other manager to confirm, and Brittany did not buy the yoga pants from said manager. So Jana said that they would tomorrow, and they went their separate ways. And that's not her wallet. So ultimately, Jana backed to the store, and brutally murdered her over a pair of Lululemon yoga
0: pants. Oh, my fucking God, bro. Like, how
1: crazy so, do you have to be?
0: So she is
1: Knife Without Parole. And story of the Lululemon murder.
0: Wow. before So you did a great job, first of all, I want to say. You did a great job for being on your oh, first podcast. You. You're welcome. And telling your first story. But, yeah, I've never, ever heard that before. Like, that... What the actual fuck? Like, imagine just killing one of your coworkers. Like, I could never. What the fuck? Oh, bro,
1: like, come on. Literally $30. She, got, she, lost, she lost her life just spent the rest of her life in prison because she couldn't help herself and had to steal a pair of yoga pants. But not even that. Like, because she could have stole the yoga pants. And just gotten fired and lived a normal life, but no, she felt backed into a corner, and apparently when she feels backed into a corner,
0: that she feels like she has to murder people. So That's what I'm saying, bro. Like, just fucking get fired. You're going to, like, what, what did she really expect to happen with that, that they were just going to arrest the two guys? So my question is, were the two guys in there before that even happened, or were they just walking by? No,
1: those two guys were just walking by. They were uh, working at a restaurant, like, behind Lululemon. Like I said, it's like the town center. So, like, you can walk through the different parts through the different stores. And they were just walking to, like, another parking lot where they had parked their car. And, like, their alibis had held up. So there was she fabricated that whole story. She cut the splits in their yoga pants. She cut herself make it seem like she was she just tied herself like she did all of that because she ended up murdering her and staged it as a crime.
0: Oh my fucking God, that is so crazy. I'm literally baffled right now. <laughs> we both had crazy one. We both had crazy stories, bro. That those this was a great episode. <laughs> Yeah, this is a
1: good one. This is going to be definitely a an intense one. It better go fucking viral or I'm going to lose it. I <laughs> know, I swear. I'm going to end it all if it doesn't go viral.
0: <laughs> well, you did a really fantastic job. I will definitely have you back on the podcast again, just so you know. <laughs> well, absolutely. Just let me know. I'd love to be back on. I love True Crime. <laughs> me too, bro. It keeps me going. I listen to podcasts constantly throughout the day. I don't know how I would fucking make it through my week without them, to be honest. <laughs> me <either>. well, guys- <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I think this might be honestly the fucking craziest episode that we've had yet. We both like had really intense plot twist stories. And I'm so happy about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is definitely a good one. I can't wait to hear it. I'm going
0: to listen to it. Honestly, I'm going to (laughs) string at
1: my voice the whole time, but like, I'm definitely going to enjoy listening to the stories again.
0: Honestly, I don't blame you. I listen to the podcast back again. Like even when I do, like I do a bachelorette podcast with Gabby and her boyfriend, I listen to that back. (laughs) I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like this is good. (laughs)
1: exactly (laughs) you gotta uh, promote your own content
0: exactly bro well guys thank you again for listening we really appreciate it Hannah and I do hopefully Hannah will be back within the next couple of episodes Um, I think that we are planning to do some live recordings when I'm in Florida so hopefully that's something that we can get out to you guys around Christmas you're gonna have a nice little Christmas murder type vibe I don't know Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the stories this week. Again, please, if you are listening, take five seconds to go and leave a review on Apple iTunes. If you have an iPhone, it really, really helps us out more than you guys realize. Every single review, every comment, it really boosts us up and kind of gives us more of that recognition in the podcast world. So we definitely appreciate everyone leaving reviews. Make sure to follow our Instagram at Suspense. Let me start over. I'm kind of drunk. Make sure to follow our Instagram at suspect podcast. We are always posting about cases we're doing on there, any kind of giveaways. We post photos about the cases that we talked about on Instagram. So you definitely want to make sure that you tune into that. And then also if any of you listening have any crazy crime stories that you've been involved in, or, you know, something that's happened to someone close to you or yada, 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 whatever. We love the crazy stories, so please send those over at suspectpodcast1 at gmail.com, and we will definitely go ahead and put your story on the podcast and share it with our audience. Until next time, Delaney, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much again. If you have anything that you want to plug in, go ahead and end that podcast today, guys. We really appreciate you for listening. We love you. We hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. We're going to end 2020 on...